Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Offset, sitting down with Keith Myers. We're here to discuss the post-game, preseason game two against the Bears at home, where Seattle had dysfunction in all three phases of the game. And uh, we're here to celebrate what we can celebrate. There'll be a lot of silence. And then we'll talk about all the dysfunction. And we'll try not to get uh, too, I don't know, depressed about it. We'll see how we do. How you doing, man? Um, I'm doing all right. It's um, that game was hard to watch. It was really yeah. hard to watch. I understand um, you had some physical labor labor this morning, just kind of help ease the mind <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I got to um, work on a deck, which you know sucks, but it it's good to have it done. You know. <laughs> Did you finish? And, no, it's not completely done, but I got done with a coat, and so it needs to dry, and then I'll do some more tomorrow. Nice, nice. Yeah, that game was hard to watch. It was kind of, it was kind of crazy. I just kind of sat in disbelief at just how poorly it felt. Like the Seahawks just were not at all ready to play a football game, uh, and there's only three, and. You spend the entire offseason kind of getting ready, mentally getting ready, and you've completed three weeks of in-person practices, and you're kind of gelling as a group, and then you show up and you do something like that. It just makes you question the entire operation. I get it. Fans are kind of upset and all that stuff, but the reality is it's a preseason game. There were probably a total of you know 18 out of 22 starters sitting on the sidelines um, and, and those that did uh, will start, you know, played four or five snaps in this game and that was it. So very little impact whatsoever. Um, yeah, but the same, so was, the, the same was true for Chicago. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like, oh, well, Seattle played their second team and Chicago had their starters out there. No the question. Time. Yeah, no question. I mean, it was, it, was the, it was equal and the Seahawks looked terrible in all three phases of the game. And I don't think there's a better way to put that. Um, they were absolutely anemic on offense. They could not do anything. The penalties were everywhere. Um, coverage on defense was a struggle. They couldn't get consistent presser pressure on the passer and special teams was an absolute disaster. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's very little positive to say when you look at the overall picture of that game. Yeah. Now, I individual agree. with individual players. There is some positives to be said, but yeah, uh, as a on the big picture, man, it's, there's it's two positives to me as you look at it as the big picture. If I'm Pete Carroll, a I had a whole bunch of people sitting, and this game doesn't mean anything in August, and um, it's a learning experience. If you treat this as a learning experience, you've got this whole thing. I don't know how much blame you can put on Pete Carroll. I don't know how much blame you put on the individual players or individual coaches or whatever. It was abysmal, no question about it. But the takeaway is it is a learning experience. It is August. It's not October. And so there's something to be said for that. The other thing is 
the positive that you can take away too is um, hardly anybody of any consequence really played significant time in this game. Really, I mean, there were there were a handful, and we'll talk about those players. Um, but it, it's just so hard to to equate a loss this bad as holistic as it was as dysfunctional as it was it's hard to pin this thing on how it's going to turn out and and results that you're going to see in september um yes some of it will translate i you know we can talk about geno smith people are making excuses for geno hey we had so many drops we couldn't get any excuse we couldn't get anything done there was no consistency third down conversions etc penalties however with all that said here's the thing about geno he had an opportunity here to set himself apart from Drew Locke. Uh, all things being equal, um, good quarterbacks, really good quarterbacks, will overcome some of these deficiencies and have the ability, have the athleticism to generate something, to transcend all the awful and pick out the, the parts that you can uh, change and have an effect on. And he just doesn't, doesn't do that. He doesn't have the ability to do that. Let's be honest. He's... He's a great average backup quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, and teams are comfortable putting him there for a reason because he's conservative. He doesn't like to make mistakes, but he's not a transcendent quarterback. He's not going to generate any plays with his legs. He's not going to generate any plays with his arms. He, with his arm, he's just going to kind of be a placeholder. And that's the way it looks when he's out there. He just looks like he's a placeholder. He's very conservative. He checks down on everything. Um, he allows the the mistakes that will happen to any offense overcome any ability he has to get beyond that. And so, um, you know, if, if you play mistake-free football in all three phases of the game, with the exception of, you know, you got a real good shot at winning games. If there's anything going on, you know, with penalties or turnovers that are out of his control or the defense isn't playing well getting off the, the field, it's too much. For a player like Gino to overcome. That's why I think this team would be wise, very wise, I believe, to go with a player like Drew Locke. Now, Drew Locke is going to give you the same sort of um, issues as far as holding your team back, more mistake prone, but he's also going to give you just that little bit extra um, that, that could give your team a chance to overcome some of those deficiencies in other areas by making a big play, by stretching the field, by having some explosive plays in there. So um, for me, that would be the, the tipping thing. I, Gino did not help himself in this game. It was not just at all. an average <clears throat> performance or, or lower. Or it was lower. Yeah. And it went with everything else. I get it. You know, the hand was, the, 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 the whole thing was against him in this game. Nobody was helping him. There were, there were lots of drops. The wide receivers had drops. People were out of position. He had penalties on the offensive line. Charles um, Cross, sorry, was excellent in the first game. This game, he was excellent when he was playing and, and pass blocking and, and run blocking. But those penalties, penalty, that he penalty, had, penalty, five penalty, false penalty. starts and a holding penalty at the wrong time, made it so that it was more difficult to create sustained drives in this game. Set us back, you know, and that one holding penalty after I think there was Rashad, not Rashad Penny, um, uh, Penny Hart. Had that 41-yard completion. Two plays later, Charles Cross has the holding penalty, and now we're second and 20, and and, and Jason Myers went on to miss the field goal in that situation. So 
these things are just really hard to overcome. Like you said, all three phases of the game, it was so hard to watch. I went ahead and watched it anyway, Keith, because I did want to see the individual performances. Um, and, and we can talk about that because I think overall, there's really nothing to take away from this game other than, than what I mentioned. And then maybe some individual performances. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where you just burn the tape. Let's, let's just start with, with Gino. And I think that, um, if you making excuses for Gino, um, is it's not doing you any favors. It's disingenuous. Um, because he hasn't played well. And I think that that needs to be said. Um, he is 20 for 33, which is barely 60%, um, completion percentage, uh, his over two games, over, over two games. Um, and his yards two scoring pass. drives out of like what fit 16. Yeah. And, um, he, and his yards per pass attempt is 6.5, which is way below anything that would be acceptable in the NFL. Yeah. You gotta um, be close to eight or you're not moving your offense. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it's, you can, um, you know, talk about drops or not having guys or whatever, but in the first game, he had all day to throw and couldn't couldn't get the ball downfield, couldn't do anything, couldn't move the offense. Um, you want to look at uh, his um, the drives in which Gino has been the quarterback. Here's how five plays, 22 yards, three plays for eight yards, eight for 57 and a field goal. Yay. Four for 15, nine for 61 and a touchdown, his only touchdown. Um Three plays, five yards, three plays, seven yards, four plays, 31, six plays, uh, 36, six plays, 31, three plays, negative 12. There's been one touchdown drive and only two decent drives in, in a full game playing against a lot of backups. He's been calling him pedestrian, I think is being generous. Yes. Um, and I think that that doesn't mean that Locke is substantially better or anything like that, but you know, call it like it is. Gino is not an NFL starting quarterback. We knew that before this season, and we know it now. We have all the evidence that we need this season in this offense with these players to know that he's not going to be the guy that gets it done. Right. So last uh, last show, you and I talked about how Locke missing this game was essentially giving Gino the starting job. Yeah, I, Give, I mean, putting him in the front runner seat, no question. But, but I, he didn't go out and take it. He didn't do anything. To me, his performance at this point forces the Seahawks to start Locke next week. Because Locke, you have Locke to find out a, if... Locke got ahead in this race by sitting on the sidelines having COVID and being sick as a dog at home. That's yeah. how bad Gino's been. Yeah. So, I mean... um Jacob Eason, in some ways, outperformed Geno Smith. You know, now, Jacob Eason has some dog in him. He, a you little can just bit. Now, see that he had kind of a junkyard mentality. He was going out there, you know, a little reckless now and again with his throws, but at least he was oh, trying yeah. to make the throws. He was trying. He was trying to get the team to mm -hmm. rally for something. He, he threw the ball downfield. He had um, a touchdown by Whiteside get dropped. He had... Um, mm -hmm. A touchdown by Fuller get dropped. He pushed the ball down the field, and if yeah. that was 
Um, Lockett and Metcalf, those are easy touchdowns. Um, Now, his stat line isn't any better than Geno's. I don't want to say that it it is. I mean, it's it's pretty bad, Less than 50% completion percentage with like a 55 overall yeah. quarterback rating type of um and yeah. it, it's also bad but he, the the offense looked like it might score that's the difference between a geno smith and a jacob eason is what you call moxie like there's just a, a intangible quality about a guy now Locke had it in the first game too they're statistically almost you could look at him and say well they were almost even but when you looked at the eye test of drew Locke, he's a completely different type of quarterback and Geno Smith and Jacob Eason had a little bit of that as well. Yeah. So the 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 knock on Drew Locke when he was in Denver was that he wouldn't take the easy completion, that he would not take the check down even if it was there, and he would hang in the pocket, take a sack, um, trying to get the ball downfield, and he would only throw deep passes. Um has Geno Smith thrown a deep pass? Well, he, he, yeah, he tra- he's tried. I'll give him that. He's tried a couple of times. He had a, he had a drop, I think, uh, Derek and, Young in this yeah. game had, had a drop. And then, uh, you know, but Penny Hart had that one uh, down the sideline that I thought was the best play of the game. And it was Geno's throw. But I mean, I, I'll say this consistently what I've seen, and now we've seen a full game of, of action with Geno Smith. Um, he throws behind plate uh, players. I'll give him another one too, Keith. I'll give him one more. He had that one to, was it Bo Melton or, or, no, Freddie Swain on about a 35-yard crosser over the middle. Freddie Swain stretched out and dove for the ball, and I don't know how Freddie Swain did not land a single finger on the ball, but it went right through his arms um, from about 30 yards away. And if if that's completion, you know, you give that to Gino too. So there are some mitigating factors. I will say this. When you add up all those penalties in, at, at really difficult moments and you add up the drops and you give those all in favor of Geno, no penalties, all those receivers make those catches, you sustain some third downs there. Maybe this does look a little better in, in Geno's favor. I will give him that. Nonetheless, he didn't do enough to overcome what he did have to face. And that's, I think, where I'm having an issue. Yeah. I think that at you, what you've got to see is you, you got to at least see something else. You know the answer is not Gino. So get Locke out there. If the answer is not Locke, fine. But you unfortunately know, we may not find out. You know it's not Gino, right? So you've answered that question. He's not the guy. So go go try and find the guy. Now all of this, every bit of it points to um, Jimmy Garoppolo getting signed if he gets ever gets released. Because yes, um, you know yes. that's what he's Pete clear, Carroll's clearly for. better than than these two guys. Yeah. Now I don't know if Drew Locke is going to get a chance, Keith, because he's so sick. Well, it came out yeah. reports today that he's just sick as a dog with with COVID. Yeah. And if he's that sick at this moment, he's got six days or no eight days to recover and test negative. That's a that's a big lift, you know, for anybody, let alone yep. a pro, pro guy that needs his lungs and legs to play in the NFL. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I just, it's hard because I just don't see, um, I don't see an answer. And we knew this coming in, right? This we, isn't a surprise. We may be in a situation, a Keith, where um, just by default, 
if Drew Lock can't go next next week, the Geno starts the year as their starting quarterback, and they may end up having to make a quarterback change in week one or two or three or whatever. Um, and that's yeah, just but, the way it's going to be. And then if Lock goes out there and fails, um, <laughs> it's, there's no there's no other options really. Then you go you go back to Geno. You know how does that work? Well, um, I don't think that you can. I think once you go away from Geno, you you've got to go out into the quarterback market and see what you can do. Maybe a trade for Gardner Mishu or, you know, who knows, right? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, here's the, here's my problem is I think John Schneider and Pete Carroll have done a fabulous job turning this around from February 1st until now, given the trade and the draft and all that stuff, free agency. Uh, but if there's a failing and, and every year, it seems like there's one position that's kind of, uh, you go into the season kind of, washy and there'd be middle linebacker this year after the starters it's really falls off and quarterback they went into the season they they appear to be willing to go into the season with these two guys they've had all off season to kind of figure it out and they elected not to get into the um the trade market you know this summer and now garoppolo is hanging out there i don't believe that san francisco is going to go into the year with Jimmy Garoppolo guaranteed to make $25 million sitting on the bench. It doesn't make oh, any no. sense for that franchise um, whatsoever. Schottenheimer said specifically that he won't be with the team um, at one point. So like, that's not going to change. He's they've, they've given his agent uh, a chance to go look for a trade, which means that um, he can talk to teams about contracts and all of that, which might be what's gone on here is that, He's talked to different teams like Seattle and knows what the contract market's going to look like when Garoppolo gets cut. So when he gets cut, I don't expect it to take long to sign because his agent's already been talking to teams. Yeah, there's there's two teams, I think, in this market, Houston and Seattle right now. That would be it. The, the kid mm-hmm. from Sam, Stanford, I can't remember his name right now, for Houston. Miles. Oh, yeah, Miles is, is the guy in Houston, and he's a second-year player, and and he's had some up and downs apparently this this summer in, in camp and then uh, in preseason so far. So they may pull the trigger on something like that. But I don't think they're ready. I, that roster to me is less ready than Seattle's roster. And I think Jimmy would probably fit here just given the offense. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? Okay, so let's so talk through, about. Through two games, there's only one team worse in the NFL in terms of point differential. Want to guess who? I have no idea. It's Jacksonville. Seattle's at negative 23. Jacksonville's at negative 27. And now a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFL Players Association. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. 
Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with promo code TPPN, click the Rainmakers tile, and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent upon type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. So let's talk about... Let's I'm saying talk that about... there, there are two teams at negative 13 that we, you and I both think are, are serious playoff contenders, but that's a different story. Anyways. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the bad first right, and just get it out of the way. Charles Cross and the penalties. What was going on there? Um, you know, we were saying for, like with him and Lucas on the other side, there's going to be growing pains with rookie tackles. It's there's going to be. There's going to be mistakes made. There's going to be times they get in their own head. There's going to be that kind of stuff. It's rookie growing pains. You see it with every player, no matter where they're drafted. Um, Better that that they get it out of the way in the preseason than wait for the season to start. But this is going to happen. We saw in the first game, he has the ability to be dominant. Also, is that just a that's a mental thing, right? Is when when you get into that headspace where you're false starting so many times. Yeah, it really is because basically what's happening is he's um, he's trying to anticipate, he's trying to do his job, and thing his brain's just not clicking with the right timing. And um, in a and, and that that makes it harder too when you've got two quarterbacks in camp that are sharing reps and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, you have, they have, both have a different cadence. They both have a different. Uh, pace, you know, between, um, you know, different, uh, you know, the different calls, the different sets of things that they have to go through. And so if you're used to going on a certain beat and they, they slow down, you know, or the next person's slower, you're going to jump and you have to adapt. He didn't adapt. But again, he's more, I think at this point, more worried about, you know, getting the right play call, getting the right stuff, doing the right little things uh, physically that stuff second and um he uh just needs to work through it calm down slow down he'll be fine otherwise otherwise played played really well you know as far as the play is concerned he played well um 13 penalties accepted against the seahawks in this game three others that were declined that's 15 total penalties um chicago had three yeah. So it was just completely okay. Drop passes. What's going on? Um, not good players trying to catch the ball. Freddie Swain, Derek Young, Melton all had drops. Yeah, they're they're I mean, pretty good players. I mean, Freddie Swain played really well last year. Derek Young and, and Melton, I'm got... going to say, are rookies, and they're you know maybe the moment's bigger, too too big, or whatever. Yeah, and Freddie Swain has been hurt and has practiced once. In the last like two weeks, and he's out there trying to play at full speed. Um, and you've got, um, you know, Fuller had one that he dropped. Is Fuller going to make the roster? Doubt it. Right? Tackling. Talk to me about tackling. Now that's a problem to me. I mean, again, you've got, uh, you've got guys playing huge minutes at like middle linebacker that aren't going to be on this roster. Yeah. Um, and all, that's all over, really. Yeah. Uh, and so there's some of that, but uh, Marquise Blair was a guy who missed a bunch of tackles. He also made a bunch of tackles too. 
Yeah, but he missed a bunch of tackles. He yeah, whiffed he, on a he bunch said, of tackles. He even said he missed like five or six tackles. Yeah. Um, and so that... But I mean, they have him down as being as as leading the team in the in tackles for this game. Which means at he, was a, he was around the ball all over the place. Which is was. encouraging. I, I would say more encouraging than not. I mean, those tackles... He's not played for a long time. I'm going to give him a little bit of a break. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you have... You have guys in position to make plays and they're not making the plays, but they're also not guys that are going to be playing. Are we concerned? Well, it means the depth isn't as good as we thought it was. Or they're Except just, for, you know, or they need to work on it more in practice. And here's the deal. I have a problem in the NFL in practice because teams are, you know, isn't like it used to be. Back in the day, people used to hit each other in practice, and it used to be pretty darn physical, and you were ready to play a football game on, on Sunday. Now, you mm-hmm. had some injury concerns out of that yeah but at the same time you're ready to play a physical brand of football it's not like that anymore these guys barely hit each other in practice and they kind of go through the motions and it looks like they go through the motions in the game too they're just not mentally ready i think it'll be better once the season starts Uh, a couple more things that i thought were negatives special teams keith Kay johnson's muff jason myers missed field goal Justin Coleman stepping on the end zone line on a great punt, bad tackling on the returns, allowing big returns. What's going on with special teams? I don't know. I mean, I know you you end up with they have guys trading positions and you're like, hey, I want to see this guy, um, you know, running as the third guy from the inside instead of being all the way on the out. Just because that's more likely where he's going to end up in the regular season, even though it's not where he's been practicing. And so they, they move people around and guys weren't staying in their lanes. They're trying to make plays. Um, Justin Coleman's a vet. You can't make mistakes like that. That was difficult to watch. Justin I just couldn't Coleman. believe it because he was so confident because he was down there early, right? So he sets himself up and then he takes a step backwards while the ball right is still zone. in the air and boom, he catches the ball. That would have been brilliant. I mean, it would have cut out on the half yard line. It would have changed the complexity of the game right there. It would have helped to kind of turn the the tide a little bit. Um, he played how about, bad on defense too. Yeah. He I played mean, an entire half in the nickel slot coverage uh, before Kobe Bryant even saw the field, Keith. That was yeah. kind of weird. And Kobe Bryant was the better player in this yeah. game. Well, yeah. in the first game, too. Um, I mean, Kobe it, Bryant you know, is the, looking good. Coaches do snaps for weird reasons, you know, this time of the year. So I'm not – Kobe Bryant's going to be the guy that's getting the snaps. Um, last thing, third down conversions. We are awful at third down conversions. Like we stepped on ourselves with penalties, uh, we ran into uh, you know uh, the scheme wise we had the, the the calls and then Geno Smith checking out of plays, uh, throwing the ball behind uh, the yards to gain that he needs. I mean it just uh, in two games it's just awful. I don't know how to correct it. You correct it by getting a better quarterback, because yes the. Um... The penalties sucked, and it put them behind the sticks. And it's hard to convert um, third downs when you're always in third and long. That's not really on Geno. But at some point, you have to make some plays. If it's third and eight, you can't complete a three-yard pass. Yeah, You've got to stand in there. And they and did you've that got three to times. They had, they had screens set up three times that were behind the line of scrimmage that they sniffed out easily. And yeah. And and caught us and putting in a punting situation. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Let's burn that part of the show and burn the tape from the game. Let's talk about some good stuff. Um, running backs. It seems like we can run the ball this year. 
with a variety of different types of running backs and our um, run blocking is great yeah darwin um what's his last name thompson. uh thompson Dar darwin thompson looked um good like he that hurdle over a defender for fun. a first down that, that was, was fun. fun yeah but that wasn't the play that like it wasn't like oh see that he can he can be here it was that he was grinding the ball between the tackles he was um reading his blocks he was putting his foot in the ground and, and busting up field when, when uh, a guard would seal um he was doing doing the things that you expect yeah. for a guy that's gonna be the fourth or fifth running back and yeah and they didn't have a lot of attempts i mean between him and travis homer they had 11 rushing attempts in this game travis homer and thompson combined had 78 yards rushing and a touchdown um yeah on you said 11 attempts and 78 yards well, and, and travis homer though had 30 of those on one run which looked outstanding i thought but still I mean, it's that's, that's still like a, a seven yard sure. average it's yeah. a seven yard average it's unfortunate that we fell behind so much we didn't get a chance to run the ball more um one of the reasons we'll why we're really good at running the football this year has been Abe Lucas which is kind of surprising given that I'm not sure we ever saw him run block in college he right like what three three run blocking play no, he's joke, he's but, a physical um, beast it turns man, out watching him drive guys into the ground has been really entertaining he finishes yeah, blocks as well as anybody in this game yeah and a nasty oh. he's got a kind of a nastiness to him and he physical does. And it's it's crazy. It's like if he doesn't start, Keith, I don't know what's wrong with this team. Now, Kerhan is a great player and, and whatnot, and maybe he needs to have a really solid look inside, maybe with Damian Lewis. I don't know. They might they might give that to uh who's the other fellow? The Phil Haynes. Around. Phil Haynes. They might give that to Phil Haynes. I get that, but yep. it doesn't dissuade me from saying Abe Lucas needs to start from day one at right tackle because I think the sooner you commit to that. The, the sooner he goes through his growing pains and that team uh, and that offensive line becomes solidified. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I think he is, he's, he's the future. He's the future right tackle. I think if he, if um, you know, they get six weeks into the season and cross has an ankle injury and has to miss a game, you move Lucas over and you start him at left tackle. Cause he's got franchise yeah. left tackle feet also. Yeah. Um, and I feel and more you, confident at him at left tackle than any other player on this team. You yeah, know, Forsyth, still, yeah. Forsyth didn't look good in this game. He yeah. got beat around the edge a lot. But I feel more comfortable putting him at the right tackle spot if I needed to. How about uh, Kobe Bryant? Kobe Bryant had a couple good pass breakups. Again, he didn't start until the third beginning of the third quarter, but when he was in there, he was really aggressive. And it's you, it's good to see a player like that really just feel natural and make plays in the in the preseason oh, and he was, nobody he else was around him was of, making plays nobody else was a couple of inches away from a pick six too and, and um, tackling he had five solo tackles yeah. as well not a missed tackle um so mm -hmm. he's one of the bright spots i thought and you know i would give um Tariq woolen uh a nod there too because he played much tighter coverage um he looked better he didn't have the big mistakes that he did in week one um he definitely had a bounce back game I'm still not and saying he's ready back to be a starter. We can practice too. Yeah, like I said, I'm still not going to say he's ready for you know starter playing time or anything. But he definitely bounced back and looked better in this game than he did the week before. Uh, positive. Damian Lewis went out with that injury on the cart. You just thinking the worst. It turns out he's got a lateral sprain. He could be ready for week one. Anytime you see the cart and the air cast. That typically means broken uh, and or dislocate, like broken dislocation. Um, 
surgery and out for the year. That that air cast is never a good sign. Um, and for him to just have a sprain that he might be able to, um, you know, sit out, rehab, um, rest, be back by week one or week two, that's huge because we were yeah. thinking he's gone for the year. And, and that, and that would, would ruin out. our depth. So it's like, um, uh-huh. I, I get that we we feel like our, our offensive lineman, Phil Haynes um, in particular, and Kerhan can can come in and, and, and duplicate anything our starters are doing. But it you know it's a little different. Damian Lewis is a is a really decent um, blocker, yeah. and so it is well, nice. You go, you go from having being seven deep on the offensive line to being six, and when you you're playing five guys, that means you're one injury away from not having a legit um, player to come in for you. Um, and so, yeah, having getting Lewis back is a big deal. Like that's um, that was a a bit good piece of luck for Seattle that we know that he's got not going to miss the whole time. And in general, uh, too, the offensive line in general in, in preseason so far has been probably, I would say, the brightest spot, the, the yeah. most surprising part of, of mm-hmm. preseason that I didn't anticipate because we were told, that, like Pro Football Focus had us ranked dead last, and take it for a grain of salt, whatever, um, dead last uh, preseason as far as the offensive line strength. And uh, coming out of that first game, they had us ranked first in the NFL after week one in preseason. Uh, offensive well, line that, play and i don't think we did anything to to change that in this week well we did in terms of the penalties the penalties are gonna are they're gonna uh, they're gonna kill seattle um in terms of that but um yeah i mean when you you've got all these guys you, the Seahawks have two starters that have never had an nfl snap um so how do you rank that do you know what they're going to be on the next level uh, so I don't, I don't take any put any stock in their um, that preseason ranking, especially because the guys that they did have that they did know about include Lewis and Jackson, which are are both you know very good players. So um, for them to say they were the last, the worst team is kind of dumb. Um, but I also wouldn't have put them first. I mean, you got two rookie tackles, and no matter how good they look in one game, they're gonna have games like the one yesterday where they make a lot of mistakes and make pen and you know have penalties and kill some drives and they've got to settle down and, and catch up to the speed of the game uh penny Hart, uh, we mentioned him earlier but had a nice catch that 41 yard completion um which was great um and he had a special teams tackle for a loss he was the first guy down uh down the field and made the, made the um made that play um miles adams played well I thought in this game, a defensive tackle had the pressure. And I don't think he did. He have a sack. I can't. Remember. He had a sack. Um, I think that people are going to look at the sack and say, "Oh yeah, he had a great game." Um, go back and rewatch that play. That sack was created by Alton Robinson. Agreed. Uh, Alton Robinson, you know, coming off the edge was there. The quarterback basically stepped right into Adams, who got credit for the sack, but Robinson was the guy with all the pressure who forced that play. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, Miles had I, a I, I love play. to see that, and we, that's one of the things we talked about in the offseason is is total improved play across the entire line because each player affects other players. You know, yeah. it's not all in a vacuum for these guys. Yeah, Robinson looked great. Miles um, Adams had the sack. He looked um, he looked competent, and like he was a guy that I really wanted to see get more playing time at the end of last year. Like, get him in there. Let's see what he's got. We know he's an interior pass rusher, um, and the team needs that. And so for him to show up in a game 
uh, in the preseason where the team will actually look at it and go, hey, maybe we do need another interior pass rusher. Um, you know, you got guys like Collier that probably are going to yeah. start the year on, on injured reserve. If, if just, Collier's out, you put Adams in. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Josh Jones, I thought, Josh. had another good game and he blew up that screen. Reminded me of KJ Wright when he did that. Come, can uh, you read that thing quick? Yep. Made it sure fire tackle behind the line of scrimmage. That was one of the best plays of the game, I thought. You know, one of the things that kept coming to mind when they were, we were watching this game and they kept making a big deal about Roquan Smith. Um, not playing and not being there with for the Bears and all of that. Uh, and then I'm watching watching Josh Jones just make plays and be in the right position and just look like a guy that should be on the field. And I'm thinking, yeah, that Jamal Adams, Rokon Smith deal. Can we just make that trade happen? Like get Josh Jones on the actual field by trading away Adams and get Rokon Smith in there um, to fix the linebacker depth with a, wow. an all pro like do it just straight up do it i would have no problem with it yeah that would be that would be crazy if that happened i mean because really you'd be given one up for the other i i think that, that works well salary wise and it works well player equivalency wise we might have to give up a a pick but it's not going to be an early pick it's going to be like a fifth rounder plus jamal adams i think that would be a good good solid trade i really do i think a, a guy like josh jones gives you the confidence that your play at, at safety is not going to drop off. Mm -hmm. All right, one last positive for me, and I want to just uh, give a hand to all the players who didn't play in this game uh, because you will not be associated with the crap show that you saw <laughs> at all, and uh, you can sleep at night knowing that you had no no involvement whatsoever. And you probably actually gained uh, you know, a roster spot potentially just because you didn't, you, you weren't involved. Pete was not happy. I mean, as, as, as much as you can look at Pete in his post-game press conferences when we lose and stuff, and he's kind of, you know, he puts a positive spin on everything. He was just not happy with the way things went at all. Disappointed in the tackling, disappointed in the coverage, disappointed in his special teams play. He made excuses for Geno Smith. Uh, it was just awful. And so, ugh, can we just move on to the next game already? Yeah. I mean, he is, um, or he, he was unhappy. I would have been, I would have been more disturbed if he was happy, because this is the type of game where even a completely positive guy like Pete Carroll, you can't fake it. You can't come out and go, "Yeah, this was great." You know, we did some good things, because anybody watching is like, "This team looked like trash." It looks like it was not a well-coached team. And if you're trying game. to put a positive spin on that. No one's taking it seriously for him to come out and just be like, and, and just straight up show. He wasn't, he wasn't happy. He didn't like what the team did. He didn't like how they played. He didn't like, um, let me know, where they you, were mentally. Let me ask this, Keith, where is the team mentally? When you spend all off season, getting ready for a season, you spend three weeks in training camp. You're prepared as you can be. This is the game where you like to show. You know, we talked about preseason it used to be four games. Now it's three. So this is the game where you really kind of wanted your, your regular rotation guys to come in and have a, a good effect on a game and just completely no show mentally uh, in this game. What is that? Does that say anything about how they prepare, where they're at, how they're coached? No. Um, I think that would be putting too much emphasis on a, on a preseason game in which guys like Tyler Lockett literally played three plays. So they suited up. We're ready. We're out there ready to be there. And they played three plays and then got told they were sitting. 
um, Lockett, Metcalf, Gabe Jackson, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that. Uh, Daryl Taylor, I don't think. But the guys that were ready and, and were out there, I mean, why, why, why such the mental lapses that we saw and just not ready to come and play a football game when your life is on the line? Because I think, I think it's just one of the, it's, it's a moment, right? Um, when you got, you're got a guy like Bo Melton who's out there, he knows like this is his chance. He performs well here. He makes the roster. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. And the moment just became too big for him. I think yeah, that's was, what happened with it, Cade Johnson. It, you, you saw that with Cade Johnson on camera, that the exact moment when you know that your your football career is literally over. <laughs> because when that ball went through his arms and behind him, uh, through his legs, he just put his hands on his head on the turf and just, it, it, was, it was heartbreaking. I'll be yeah. completely honest, it was heartbreaking to see a kid mm-hmm. go through that moment. Now he did bounce back, had some receptions later, but that's tough to overcome that play right there. It's just so visible. It's going to hang in the coach's minds when it comes time to make the decision. Who are they putting on the roster? And he probably even wouldn't even be a return guy in regular no. season. Nope. You know, but and you, so that's hard. That's hard. But it's still going to hang in their mind. They're, they're trying to make, do you, do you put Kate Johnson or do you put Penny Hart in there? And you remember Penny Hart's big reception, and you remember Cade Johnson and Muffin a punt. And your instinct says Penny Hart, even though Penny Hart had a bad special teams penalty as well. Um, so it's not, but that doesn't stand out. It's the big, it's the big play, it's the big, big fumble that uh, that will stand out. And so, yeah, it's going to be hard to overcome that. And he needs to come out in the third preseason game and really show up. And he's got an opportunity unless he doesn't make cuts uh, this week that are coming down the road, down the road. Um, all right, let's get out of here. I'm, I'm anxious to kind of get this behind us and, and move forward. We'll be back next week with a game preview, uh, Dallas Cowboys, Seahawks at Dallas. Uh, Seattle only had one preseason game at home this year. And then it's a couple of weeks off and then we, we kick off the season. So we're, we're about three, three and a half weeks out right now, three weeks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, we'll be back with the um uh we'll have that preview and then when we come back we need to we're gonna gonna do our our 53 man roster prediction where Bill and yeah. I are guaranteed guaranteed to be, have a whole bunch of things wrong, but it's always fun. To, I, we're um, pretty good at, at that. We're pretty good. We save one or two spots. I think we're gonna be pretty pretty decent at that. We always seem to be. And then what I think that we're gonna have an issue with, with a problem where we might be completely different, would be the prediction show. So we'll come back oh, yeah. right before the season, before we preview the uh, first game of the year, we'll have a prediction show. And um, that's that's going to be interesting. You, we're usually within a game or two um, each year. This year, I'm not sure, because I'm not sure where I'm going to be. I mean, no. it's kind of crazy. I think the roster is worthy of 10, 10 11 wins, really, if, if Russell Wilson was here. But he's not. And but so we're not. down like six, seven wins right now in, in my brain. And I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go look at that schedule and I'm, I'm map looking, out every game. And it's going to be hard looking to at, wins on the, on I'm the looking at, at hey, we're going to have, yeah, we're going to have to go through and, and look at wins and losses game by game and all of that in order to figure it out. But I'm looking at Geno Smith as a starting quarterback and thinking that's a four win team. Yeah. And, and just because he just doesn't give your team a chance to win at the end he of the game. He just doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't give your team, and he's not the guy who, you know, 
you kept it close. You didn't make the big mistake. You're within one score. You get the ball at the end of the game. And Wilson would run this team down the field and score a touchdown, and, and they'd walk away with the victory. Geno Smith isn't going to do that. Yeah, he's I have zero go, confidence that that would happen. He's going to go three and out, punt the ball, and you're going to lose. We're going to have, and I said this last uh, last show. I think um, we're going to win, or we're going to lose a lot of one run games this year, mm-hmm. uh, or not r- run, but um, you, score. Yeah, you one made the games. you made the uh, the baseball analogy. They're yeah. going to lose a lot of one run <laughs> games, um, and and to finish the baseball analogy, it's because they don't have a good closer. Yeah. Gotta have gotta have the closer. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> find Keith on Twitter. Well, you know where to find us. Good night. Yep. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.